Morning, everybody. So, that's worship that you don't want to end because you are the presence of God. And um, so I was preparing this morning like, Lord, what do you want me to share? Uh, and uh, I felt the Lord say, uh, just first to guard our hearts. Right? And if you can have that scripture of Proverbs 4.23, uh, say, who's operating sage? Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Now, all the words that's come today, so I don't know how much of my notes I'm actually going to use, but there's been so many words that have come this morning. And um, I remember once reading the scripture years ago, and the Lord said, it's not so much, it is about what you're guarding your heart, about what you let in. But it's also about guarding your heart, about what you let out. Because if you've been saved, if you've been in, the, in this church, if you've been... In God's word, there's been much that you've received, but often we can lose it under pressure. And I just felt the Lord remind me that uh, Lucas shared last week on uh, the consequences of falling away. It's not for unbelievers, but for believers. And I think for us, it's about where is our hearts this morning? And what does the Lord want to do in our hearts this morning? And it's really about this, this thing of the kingdom, like uh, Nadine's word about that the kingdom's going to advance, but it's going to cause disruption. Do you know that we are always getting disrupted? Whether you are in God or whether you are not. Whether you are following his ways or whether you are not. You know the whole plan of the enemy is to disrupt you, to shake you out of the will and the call of God. And the Spirit of God wants to lead you and draw you deeper into His will, into the call, and into purpose. So there's this battle that goes on. And I wonder, how are we guarding our hearts? Because we, if we are not fighting, if we're not contending for what goes in and holding on to what the Lord has placed in our hearts, until now we're going to be drifting. And I've shared the last while, for some reason, if I'm sharing, the Lord's taken me to parables of the kingdom of God. And I've been sharing about the kingdom of God in different aspects. Uh, at Woodstock, I went, I was sharing on different parts of the kingdom of God. And then the Lord has shared many, mostly about the kingdom of God. Most of his parables starts with, the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is like. And that word that Nadine brought about um, disruption. That is the way the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God is advancing. Do we know that? The kingdom of God is advancing. The only question is, are we part of that or not? Are you part of that or not? Because if the kingdom is always moving, always advancing, we want to be part of that. We must expect disruption. We must expect change. And, and I was just thinking about all the congregations that, we went to Milnerton during the 412 time, and they just combined, I think, Brooklyn and Milnerton combined. I think recently we multiplied into 830 and 11. Um, I was at Woodstock, and they, they, they were a different church. They became a Josh Jen. They were in Seapoint. They moved to Woodstock. And I was like, do you see that there's this constant change? And even now there's some guys I chat to, and it's like, I'm not so sure about this 
multiplication of 11 and 830. I'm not sure about that plan. And I'm like, it's God's plan. It's to make room for the more. And we can't lose sight that the kingdom of God is advancing by the lost being drawn in. By the lost being drawn in. It's not about us. And we need to guard our hearts. And I think with um, even the people of God, like Israel, they were the chosen people of God from Adam. There was the fall. And God's been trying to redeem, trying to redeem us, trying to redeem his people. And then Israel, he said, I've got a promised land for you. And remember when they, they spent like two weeks in the desert, when they went to go to the promised land, when they came to the walls of Jericho, they sent out the 12 spies, and 10 came back. There's giants in the land. And two came back and said, our God is greater. And you know, because of their lack of faith, their lack of belief, they died in the desert. Do you know the desert was not the place that they were called to? That was just the place they were journeying on. They died in transition. Because they lost sight of God. You know, often in the change, we expect change. We must know when there's change, when there's disruption, that God is in it. And we keep focus on Him. Because our comfort is going to be disrupted. And Lord, we want to see you. Because we are not led by our comfort, by our preference, by our desires, but we are led by the Spirit of God. Because we are born again people. The way you enter into the kingdom, the way you can see the kingdom of God is if you are born again. If you are born of the Spirit, filled by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, we are people of the Spirit. And I felt like, let us never lose sight of who we are and what we call to. Let our hearts be saturated with that. Lucas, I think, he sent a reminder yesterday about your, let us continue digging wells, finding the life of God, the Spirit of God. Let us continue drinking from the living water. Let us, let us drink unto overflow for others. But you know what often happens when we, there's, a, there's times when we're in God and there's times our situations, our circumstances, like that word Nadine brought, Right now, about, you know, I came to the end of myself. Do you know that we can be in a situation and we can be shifted? And instead of drinking from the well of living water, we drink from broken systems. And broken systems can be your success, your career, your finances, your relationships, your friendships. Wherever it is you draw from, it can be your failures, it can be your struggles. You, I've seen people get attached to their struggle. But if it's not God, if it's not, I look to you, Lord. I want to find you in every situation. I want to drink from you. Holy Spirit, come and fill me. We're drinking from broken systems that is leaking. And eventually you're gonna, it's going to leak out. Let me try to get to my preach. What time did I start? Like, I don't know. 12 minutes past. Okay, so. Okay. Can I go to two? Uh, Sage, can you put up Matthew 21 to 4? So I just want to share this parable. 
And it really speaks to us continually having gracious and generous and grateful hearts. So for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and send them into the vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. And then he continued doing this. 12 o'clock they went out, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and bringing more people in. In Matthew 28, 20, verse 8 to 16, it says, When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. That was the last guys. So those who went that wired first, they came expecting to receive more. They came expectant. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landlord. These, those who were hired last, work only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Did you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who has hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first. And the first will be last. And really what is, that really speaks of salvation. That the kingdom has people coming in at different, continuously at different times. People standing around and it's like, they get drawn in by God, and there's purpose for them. They're standing around. There's no purpose. There's purpose for them, and they come into the kingdom. But there's a warning there. There's a challenge there about to God our hearts that every single one of us has received something incredible that we were promised. We received this gift of salvation, this gift of eternal life. We were dead in our trespasses, in our transgressions, but we're alive in God. And we need to see that we are dead. We were dead and we are alive. There's nothing greater we could receive. We are alive in Christ. That there is, so there's an eternity with God. For each and every one of us here, that is the price. That is the nearest. There's nothing to contend for. There's nothing greater. There's no, nothing further. There's nothing more. Has someone got more than me? But in the flesh, envy can disrupt us. And we're sitting here and we could be saying, but I'm not envious. Let me say, because of sin, we're all born with, with envy in us. Who has two or more children? Okay, so you got two kids, right? They're sitting at a table, you give one a lollipop. Ignore the other one. What's the other one going to say? Where's mine? Then you don't give the other one a lollipop. You give them a big chocolate. What's the first one going to say that was happy with the lolly? Where's my chocolate? That's not fair. They had joy with the lolly. But when they check the chocolate, they're like, ah. There's always more. There's a grabbing in us. We know we see it in our kids. What about us as adults? We say, yeah, our kids are like that. What about us? 
Yo, Lord, I need a house. Lord, I need a place to stay. You get the house, then you go visit your friend's house. Just so, but check the kitchen here. <laughs> Lord, just give me a car. I need to get to work. I need to. And you get the Chico. And then your friend comes visit with this black Volvo, turbo. And these are things that sits in our heart. Envy. If we get the picture, if we get the view that we've received something that is so precious, there's nothing more we can receive beyond that. All we do now is be part of drawing others in. Do we know that envy will not have a place in us? What's the other? It ends there with those. The first will be last and the last will be first. When I was praying for us, I felt the Lord say, be careful of the first. So when you read that story, who has read that parable or heard that parable before? Lift your hands. So when you read that parable, who, honestly, who do you identify with? I know generally when you read that parable, it's like, when the people start getting paid, you're like, nah, but I work the whole day. How? It's not right. Do you identify with the first? Like, that's not fear. Or do you identify with the last that started working at five? In your heart, who do you identify with? When you read that, do you identify with the last? Thank you, Lord. You're so gracious. Like I came at the last hour and I received the gift. Who do you identify with? And I can tell you how many times I've identified with the first. And we can be in a place... If you identify with the first is like, woe is me, why am I not getting ahead, what has happened in my life, what is the disadvantages I've had, someone's doing better than me, they had a better family, they had better inheritance, they didn't have the struggles I've had, they haven't been through the pain I've been through, they haven't walked in my, my shoes in my situation. And we build our walk around our past. And even in the church, you know, if you've been in the church for like five years or more, and you know if you get visitors in, do you know that new believers that come in or visitors that come in, we spend a lot of time with them? And often you can be like, yes, but I've been here for so many years, but nobody cares. Nobody's coming to come come and check, come and... And there is people, but you won't get the same attention because when a new person comes in, we want to draw them into family. You know that story of uh, Mashibu Fish? It is, uh, whose son was it? Jonathan. Okay, Lucas, you're doing well. <laughs> so Jonathan's son, Mashibosheth, I'm just going to say Mibo for now. So Jonathan's son, Mibo, so he was in a desert place, a dry place, and David was sitting here just because he had become king, and normally in the natural, you destroy the previous king's family, their line. But David's like, I want to bless Jonathan's family. And he only got this, the son, Mibo, that is a cripple, and he's in a desert place. And David sends his soldiers to go and fetch him and bring him 
to the, to the king. And he's scared. He's like, why is he calling me here? And when he comes in, he's invited to the king's table to sit with the sons of the king. And that is the heart of God. When you believers come in, when, when visitors come in, when, even if we're struggling with sonship, he wants to invite us in to be a son and a daughter in the house. And I think when we are trying to build that, when we're trying to draw those people into get them settled into family, our heart shouldn't be, but why are they getting extra attention? Our heart should be, but once I was a visitor and I was drawn in, I was welcomed in, and I'm part of the family, I want to draw more in. What about if somebody, you know, sometimes in a church you think there's rank, but there isn't. And it's like someone maybe gets more responsibility, they become a leader. And you're like, but I've been here longer than him. But our cry must always be, I need you, Lord. Use me, Lord. I'm part of the body. Whatever is my part, I want to walk in it. I want to grow in it. I want to be faithful with it. And if you're faithful with little, you'll, get, you'll be trusted with more. Not looking to others. We must celebrate every single person that is given more responsibility because the kingdom is advancing. And we need to catch that. You know the story about, or the parable of the, um, the Pharisee and the tax collector. And it says there they were praying in the temple and the Pharisee was confident in his own self-righteousness. And his prayer was, Lord, thank you that I'm not like these. Thank you that I'm not like an adulterer, I'm not like a, even this tax collector next to me. And sometimes you can be in a church long enough and the thing of first will grow in you. No, but I've, something's happened to me. I must grow and I'm starting to become more advanced. I'm moving slowly more to the front. And you start to feel the thing of first. I'm entitled to something because I've been here long. And that is something that the Lord warns about. There does never be there that we're grabbing for first. And then the tax collector prays, a sinner. And the, the word says he beats his chest and he says, have mercy on me. God, I'm a sinner. And that's his prayer. And the Lord says, the humble will be lifted up. And the proud will be torn down. Those that want to be first here will be last. And those that are last here, those whose hearts are contrite and say, the cry is always, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Work in me, Lord. We'll be raised up on that day. We'll be lifted high. Be careful of first. And there really is a, oh, there's a window of grace right now. You know all the words that's coming about reaching out? There's a window of grace right now, and every single day that window closes. We don't know when it's going to close. But there's grace right now for others to be drawn in, for others to find family, for others to find purpose, for others to be saved and restored and find life in God and purpose in God. And our heart should not be, how am I doing in church? Am I where I should be? 
I'm not trying to work something in the house. I'm trying to reach outside of the house. Because the kingdom advances in depth in us and then wide as we reach out. Let it not be about us and our station in the church and about am I first or am I last. Let it be about one more, Lord. So I'm going to run out of time, so I'm not going to do this other one, the parable, but I'll summarize it. Forgiving arts. So there's a parable about um, the master that had a servant. And the servant owed a great debt. And the master was speaking to the servant about making plans for the debt. And the servant said, I cannot pay it. And the master said, I forgive your debt. And with great, great joy he went and he was celebrating. And as he went out, there was another servant that owed him a debt, a smaller debt. And when he couldn't pay it, when he said he couldn't pay it, the servant that was forgiven, his debt, made sure he, get, he, he actually said he wanted to choke him. He, he had him thrown into prison. And when the master heard about it, does he what he said? Let me just get it quickly. Um, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancel all that debt of yours but you, that you begged me for. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servants just as I had on you? In anger, his master handled, he handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay, pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will, be, will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Let me say it again. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Let me say we are people in, our, in the natural state. We always receive grace for ourselves. Oh God, you're so gracious. gracious. You're full of mercy. Thank you, Lord. For whatever we do wrong, Lord, there's grace. But if someone does something to us or we see something in someone, we want justice. Oh, you're going to know the Lord of vengeance. The Lord will sort you out. The Lord smite thee, whatever. whatever. Do you recognize, like, who, is you, who are you contending with right now? Is there, issues, is there relational issues right now in your heart? And is your posture, I want justice, Lord? Or is it grace? Because I can tell you, the people of the kingdom, as the Lord is working in our hearts, it's like, Lord, we want grace. And that's a very hard thing to pray. And I'm not saying it's easy. I mean, people could have, you could have believed people change your destiny. People change your dreams. People just stole your inheritance. It could be abuse in many forms. Your whole identity could have been shifted and shaped. But yet still you forgive. Because that is where freedom is found. And you know, we, we, we have this mindset that, oh Lord, uh, this person can't be forgiven. It was too much. But the word is clear over and over again. You'll be forgiven if you forgive. How do I, when they ask uh, Jesus, how do I pray to the Father? Part of that prayer is, forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. And you said, you have a forgiving heart. The gift we spoke about earlier. The only thing that can stop the life and the flow and the power of God in your life is you. 
But the thing, if you let it go, you're going to find freedom. You're going to drink. You know the word that came about, uh, someone wrote the word about a trickle. I had a picture in worship of like an oil, oil filter. Now I know nothing about cars. I know as much about cars as Anton. Um, Anton was telling me his Campbell broke on his car or something. It'll take a day. I think the car's still in the garage, I don't know. So I don't know much about an oil filter, but I can guess. I know when I take my car in for a service, they normally change the oil filter. And it, why? It's dirty. I wonder how your grace filter is this morning. Because remember, the, the grace of God flows, what flows to us must flow through us. How's your grace filter? So you're receiving grace from God. Is it flowing out? Especially is it flowing to who you think is your enemies. Or if I look at that filter, it's going to be full of impurities. It's going to be unforgiveness, offense. Let me tell you now, if the grace of God isn't flowing, you're going to have a hard callous start. You need the oil, the grace to flow. And the only thing that can stop it is you. And if there's a trickle, it's like, Lord, show me. What I want a new filter this morning. Five minutes, I'm going to land soon. It's time to see where. I'll share Donna's one because I did tell in worship I'm the share thing, and I know she's expecting. The other thing is to have expectant hearts. You know, an expectant heart is a heart that is looking forward, pressing forward, that is expectant. Every single one of us, if we are saved, we should be expectant of what the Lord has for us, of what the Lord's, how the Lord's going to use us. There should be a hope in us. And it's not governed, it's not shaped by our situation, by our past, but we are people that look ahead. Jonathan Edwards, one of the great American revivalists, he said this, Lord, stamp eternity on my eyeballs. He was pretty much saying, Lord, let me have an eternal perspective. No matter what I'm going through, no matter what I've been through, let me see you, let me see your purposes, let me see eternity, the things that will last. And yes, Donna's part, she shared this scripture at the elders' meeting, Philippians 3, 12 to 14. This is what Paul said. And this, in context, Paul was sharing about, about, um, about the flesh, and there's not, nothing, of, nothing of worth, whatever you've done in the flesh, but I look to God, and I want to walk in the power and the, and the things of God. But this is what he says. Not that I have already all, obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. Brother and sister, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straying toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Forgetting what is behind. You know how many people live their life through the lens of the past? What happened in the past? Live their life through the lens of the present. What is my present situation? Is there giants in your land right now? 
But now, no, kingdom people, we press on, we look ahead because there's a promise. There's a prize. There's a king. There's a God. There's the eternity. Is that a perspective? And you might be saying, no, but you don't know what I've been through, what I need to forget. You know, we're sharing this, Paul. I'm just going to share a little bit of what Paul had to forget. Three times I was beaten with rods, but I forget it. Once I was pelted with stones, three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in open sea. I've constantly moved at dangers from rivers, in danger of bandits, in danger from fellow Jews, from Gentiles, in cities, in countries, in seas. I've labored and toiled. I've often gone without sleep. I've known, known hunger and thirst and I've often gone without food. I've been cold and I've been naked, but I forget it because I press on, I press on and I look to the prize. If you're a believer this morning, there's no excuse, there's no, but I've been through stuff. There is a thing of, there's a victory, there's an overcoming by being led by the Spirit of God. And I'm land there. So how many of you, I'm landing with this, how many of you guys know what is, and I'm going to teach you rugby knowledge now, what is, what is that word? Okay, let me go check. Oh, what is battle stats? Anybody know when I say battle stats, what do I mean? In, in the rugby context. That's normal stats. So you know how the Springboks work is they got this thing called battle stats. So every team, what they do is they look at, at the end of the game, how many meters have you gained? How many uh, tackles have you made? How many offensive tackles have you made? All these things, right? But with the Springboks, they look at battle stats. Battle stats is not taken over the whole game. It's taken in the, in the battle, in the crunch times, in the last 20 minutes. How are you responding in the battle? Are you shrinking back? Are you hiding? Was it easy to hide in the battle under pressure? But under pressure, as you're being squeezed, as life is squeezing you, are you looking more to God? Are you pushing ahead or are you drawing back? Because when everything is going well, it's like, oh, things are going amazing with me. I'm in church. I mean, but how is your battle stats in the fire, in the trials, in the testing of life? How are you in the fight? How do you respond? And this is the question you need to answer. Because the pressure of life will come, and when you're in that place, you need God more than ever. You need God's people. But then it's like, I'm not sure about Sunday. I've had a hard week. I'm not sure about Wednesday. I'm not sure about gathering. I'm not sure. And doubts come in. And you start shrinking back. And it's a dangerous place because you can be lost in that place. I really felt the Lord say for us. He's not promising us that we're not going to be in the battle. We're not going to be in trials and tests. But He's promising us that He will be there. And we need to know, in the fight, Lord, sure, we're going to fight to see you. We're going to walk in your word.